I'm sitting here with Johnston Gray, my co-host, and our very good friend, David Amar, who's joining us from New York. And tonight we are doing The Goonies. Can't wait. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to do this. Johnston and I have both seen this movie. Love this movie. I don't know if okay. Johnston loves this movie. I, I love this movie. It's a, it's a classic. Yeah. Um, very much very much like a heavily uh, uh, rented movie growing up. It was part of the rotation for sure. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, in, in choosing the movie that I wanted to see for this project, I was thinking about walking around like a, like a blockbuster video or, you know, a limelight or something like that, walking around the shelves. We're like, what are the things that I haven't, uh, you know, cl- classics of cinema <laughs> that have eluded me. And I was thinking about like the walls and seeing, you know, 20 copies of something all in a row. <laughs> you made uh, a memory. great choice. Yeah, you did. You nailed it. Uh, so what, why is it that you've never seen this movie? Like you obviously know it exists. It's pretty much like a staple for a lot of young kids growing up. I feel like it's, it's just as much a movie for adults as it is for kids. Like the parents love to watch it too. Yeah, that, that makes, that makes sense. Um, I think it's maybe a, num- a, a couple of different things. So I, I don't have any, I, I grew up the oldest of four kids. So I never had, and, and this film came out in 1985. Uh, um, so I never had any older siblings that were like, this was the movie of our childhood. And this is like, this is the classic. My parents are a little bit older. My parents are not like Gen X. They're like truly boomers. And this is like, I would be shocked if they knew about this movie's existence. Um, and then I guess by the time that... Um, it was tossed around a lot in casual conversation as like, oh, it's a classic. Then that uh, that embarrassed feeling where you, you're you're all going around a circle and somebody says, oh, like that like that scene in the Goonies or like that scene in X Y Z. I haven't seen the Goonies. I say, oh, how have you never seen the Goonies? Like, are you kidding me? And so I think it's like a compounding thing. My movie, my I, I totally understand that. Like being left, yeah, out I can of relate the club. to that. My movie for that is The Princess Bride. For some reason, it was just not oh, in my wow. rotation okay. as, as a kid. Um, no, like I'm the youngest of four, and none of my older siblings ever really liked it. And then come high school, when it like really had like a resurgence, um, and everyone would exactly what you said, like sit around and be like, that scene in The Princess Bride. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I have seen it now. But I will say... I'm a little bit concerned that maybe it's the Goonies is now overhyped for you because of all of the conversations that have been had. Around I think all the movies that we discuss on this podcast are on that risk, which is, I think, an interesting, that's kind of yeah. the premise too, right? To see yeah. how much of it's hype and childhood and nostalgia and how much of it is, um, you know, legitimate, good film. Totally. What's actually been built up in your mind versus reality. Yeah. Expectations, right. exactly. Maybe, maybe you were right for putting it off. Maybe you knew <laughs> something we didn't. <laughs> Uh, all right, so 1985, as we've already discussed, it's directed by Richard Donner, who uh, has directed The Omen. I'd say his most famous movie is the 1978 Superman with Christopher Reeves. Oh, wow, okay. And all he right. also did the Lethal Weapon series. Um, okay, I didn't know. No relation to the Donner Party. 
no. uh, kind of ballistic <laughs> pioneers, um, which I thought for a second, but turns out Donner is not actually his last. Uh, Donald, I think, is like his middle name. Um, and he went with that for nice. stage name. Stage, stage name. Yeah. Um, also written by Chris Columbus, who is best known as the writer of Gremlins, as well as the director of Home Alone 1 and 2. Yeah, totally. And a Harry yeah. Potter movie. Right? And I think two Harry Potter movies. Um, and it was based on a story by Steven Spielberg. So a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah. I Even though this is a Chris Columbus movie and it was written by Richard Donner, it still feels very much like a Steven Spielberg movie to me because um, it is like that kid action adventure sort of yeah. um, genre. And he did have a lot of involvement in the creation of the film as well. Um, he was an executive producer, but um, Sean Astin, who's one of the, the stars of the, of the film, credits him as a co-director. Like, he was around. So you definitely get those elements of Spielberg. Sean Astin is in... Uh, Samwise Gamgee. Samwise. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. So it <laughs> stars right. Sean Astin, a.k.a. Samwise Gamgee. Okay. Yeah, incredible uh, cast. Josh Brolin uh, in his... <laughs> Josh Brolin is 17. I looked it up to see if I could comment on how attractive he is, but I should not say anything. But he's on his way. The character, is, the actor uh, is on his way to becoming the beautiful man that he eventually became. He uh, looks great. Yeah, he looks really good. Uh, An attractive and, young man. Attractive yeah. young 17-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also stars amazing people such as Corey Feldman, Martha Plimpton, Jonathan Kwan, who is short round from Temple of Doom, to name a few. Okay. A lot of like familiar faces in there as well that you'll see. That's a Sp Steven Spielberg uh, suggestion, or he must have had some influence in that. Totally. totally. This may, so one of the only things that I that I have in my mind, and like I haven't seen a single scene. Like I don't, I don't know what it's all about. But for whatever reason. I get these like, and it's funny that you mentioned Princess Bride earlier because like these are like the images that I have of what this might be like the the rodents of unusual size from Princess <laughs> Bride, like something like this animatronic ET kind of creature. That's the only I don't even know if there are any like true creatures, but that's like that's what I'm prepared for. That's that's a good place to be, I would say, wouldn't you, John? Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's, I can't remember for sure, but I know there is at least one that was in a deleted scene. Um, so you're, you're on the right path for sure. I know there yeah. was, they were on set, animatronic creatures were on set. I don't think they made it into the final, I can't remember if they did, but yeah, it's, you're right. It's very much that, that vibe of the Princess Bride kind of adventure, action adventure, family, family film. Totally. Um, it was all filmed in our backyard or our original backyards in Astoria, Oregon. Have any of you been to Astoria? Never. It's really beautiful. It's, it's, yeah, it's like beach town, Oregon. So you can imagine it's a really pretty place to make a movie. Very West Coasty. Very West Coasty. Um, filmed for 19 million. That was the budget. Made 124 million at the box office. So an instant smash. People made money. People made money. Filmed um, in sequence too, eh? Filmed in sequence. And it took, it took oh, five, really? months, five months to film in total, which to me seems like a very long time to be in production for the movie that it is. Like it, it does have a lot of fantastical elements, but five, five months, months shooting with kids too, like with all the rules that you have with shooting with minors too. Can you imagine a whole cast of, of kids and shooting with those restrictive, I mean, that's probably why, right? Because there's yeah. so many hours and, uh, you know, hours have to be spent with tutors and whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. 1984, sure. come on. 
Yeah, that's true. Work. <laughs> they were all <laughs> carrying tripods back then. Months because they, it was takes and takes. They kept getting it wrong. <laughs> uh, the cinematographer is Nick McLean. I didn't really know anything about him. He, uh, I would say this or Spaceballs would be his claim to fame. He was also um, second unit on the Michael Mann classic Heat, which I thought was worth mentioning. Okay. And he has a cameo in this film as Mouth's father and mouth is one of the characters that you will meet that i didn't know it was edited by michael Kahn, who's spielberg's guy he does a lot of his stuff saving private ryan close encounters all the classics sure and uh it was production designed by j michael riva or riva i'm not sure r-i-v-a who is a really again just has like an extensive filmography like different genres he did the color purple he did lethal weapon he production design Django Unchained and actually had a stroke and died on the set. So, Oh my God. Um, yeah. Tarantino killed him. <laughs> actually, I, I'm not sure it was on set, but it was during the making of the film. This would be, I feel like this would be a fun movie to design like all the, I mean, without giving anything away, there's, there's lots of sets with a lot of potential. I think that would be uh, a designer's dream. Yeah. I have a good story about a set piece, but I'll save it for after us to not spoil anything. So yeah, it uh, it opened, made a ton of money. Everyone loved it. Ebert loved it. The New York Times loved it. When I was grazing through the review section on the Wikipedia page, I found one that I really liked, uh, which is from a guy named Colin Greenland who writes for White Dwarf. And he claims, the Goonies, I was unable to enjoy because of a bunch of screaming and yelling kids all the way through it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's a guy who knows what he likes or doesn't like, you know? So Dave, what do you know, like what, if you, if you had to wager a guess as to what this movie is about, like what would you think it's about? I am thinking group of kids, probably mostly boys, um, coming of age story. Maybe there's some sort of element of um, uh, some sort of external narrative, like whether it's a book story or like, uh, or, or like a, a quest a quest that they have to go on um, in order to, and some wormholes between the real world and whatever this quest world is. Um, yeah, you're on the right path. Definitely, I would say clearly like a defining film of the 80s. It's very yeah. 80s centric. Like the the soundtrack is, you know, Cindy Lauper. The outfits are insane. Um, John, yeah. would you, without would giving you, too much away, the the soundtrack is like one of the shining stars like i was trying to think why i like that movie or why i liked the movie so much as a kid and i have to imagine the cindy lopper song played a huge part in it because it's sure. just like it, it plays in my head whenever i think of the images or anything from the movie and and then i just hear the chorus and then i just it's a yeah it's an all-around good time and here, here's a question is this a film that is um how many times have you seen this movie both, both of you like like i've never obviously like, i don't know yeah. if this is like a Again, going back to Princess Bride, I've seen that a million times. I know a lot of people, it's like one of those rewatchable classics with high, high replay value. Um, is this known as having like really high replay value? Like you go back to the store and you rent it over and over again? I'd yeah. say so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would say like start to finish, like I sat down and watched this movie uh -huh. maybe a dozen times, but That's it was yeah. it was also on TV all the time too growing mm -hmm. up. So you could just if you knew the movie, you could just jump right in, and I usually would. So what about you, John? Yeah, I'd say probably like at least it's one of those ones where it's like you know I've seen it a hundred times, but it's like how many actually? But 
Yeah, I th I'd say like at least 10. I, it was probably rented and, and, you know, at least 10 times because it's just such a um, kind of uh, familiar thing to return to, you know, and it's like hanging out with the sure. gang and seeing what they're, I mean, they're always up to the same thing, but, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's that familiarity and this movie, yeah, I, I'm, it's one that I'm really looking forward to, like Polly's going to come rewatch it. Like it's a, it's a fun rewatch and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see you know, what someone watching it for the first time in their 30s thinks about it as opposed to, a, you know, someone who watched it as a kid returning to sure. it. Mm -hmm. I would say too this, that this was probably one of the first 80s movies I ever watched, which really introduced me to like the style and aesthetic, which is so... It's very prominent in the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Would you put this in your top, like, uh, sorry, this is a question for Johnston specifically, but would you put this in your like top 10 of 80s films? Yeah, I would have to for sure. Just because like we weren't like teenagers in the 80s, you know, we were like, I mean, we're just, I, we were born at the cusp of the 80s, you know, the very tail end of it. Um, so we didn't like, there wasn't a lot of relatable experience from the 80s, but I feel like mm -hmm. there's enough of a crossover between late 80s, early 90s that there is that like the childhood crossover, there, it, it's there. And um, so it, it's, it's more relatable, I think, from someone our age to, to, return to you know uh, as a kind of symbol of the 80s than something like pretty and pink would be which you know obviously is like one of these iconic ones but as a kid i didn't watch it you know at all <laughs> um as opposed to the goonies like we said has been so you know rented so many times or i don't think it was ever i don't think i ever owned the goonies i don't know why but it was definitely yeah, heavily heavily rented i sure did it was definitely one of those movies that like when we were in high school and like you came home from a party and were coming down mm. and watching a movie on your laptop in your basement bedroom alone. Like sure, sure. that was the, like, I like the Goonies DVD menu music has like a very special <laughs> and familiar place in my heart. Cause I would always wake up to it after falling asleep to it. Yeah. Um, those are always iconic. <laughs> iconic movies. So this is the number nine highest grossing film in 1985. Uh, the top five it was a good year for movies uh number one was back to the future number two rambo first blood part two three was rocky four big year for stallone yeah totally. um <laughs> number four is the color purple and number five was out of africa which is the film that won best picture that year doesn't have a place in, in the award. It's not an award season kind of movie it's just a fun yeah. fucking movie so it sounds like from what you're saying it was fairly critically acclaimed at the time made a ton of money and yet uh you know what you just said was ninth grossest ninth highest grossing film not award-winning but critically acclaimed and has turned into you know a touchstone whereas first blood part two is like not really <laughs> that's not the canon you know yeah totally yeah it's true often uh, the ones the award winners are the ones that aren't returned to you re you rewatch like mm. the you know mm -hmm. the, the fan favorites I would say that this movie, like, of course, it's beloved and, and it did very well, uh, both with accolades and with, with finance. It's kind of an untouchable movie. Like, I don't think I've ever met someone who's like, I fucking hate this movie. And if they did, I'd be like, whoa. Like, yeah, what's wrong it's a with them you? problem if yeah. they do. It's not the Goonies. It's, it's like, okay, it says something about the person. If they have, if, especially if they feel that strongly about it, yeah. um, then it's a you problem. Yeah. The, leave the Goonies out of it, leave Samwise out of it. All right, yes, yes. leave Samwise alone. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dave, what would you say if you had to pick, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but like what are some of your favorite 80s films? 
Okay, let me uh, let me think for a minute. So, okay, I'll, I guess I'll think of answering this question in terms of um, what I am expecting from watching this film. But the Princess Bride and the Ghostbusters films, and like for these like kid movies, like late late kid, early teens films like that. Um, yeah, it was never much of a, the in the Stallone type crowd um there and i've been rewatch and i've been watching you know in the last year of 2020 2021 you say i've been watching a lot of movies but not a not a lot of films from the 80s and maybe that's because the style it has in in a lot have not has not aged quite as as gracefully and as tastefully as say right at, at the moment i feel like um the aesthetic of the nineteen, the early to mid seventies, is more of like a is more of like a desirable, more of a glamorous thing. Maybe we totally. haven't quite returned the eighties yeah. look beyond or even like the, even the nineties. I yeah. feel like nineties yeah. movies are having a massive resurgence as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we got the big Stranger Things boom a couple of years ago for that kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark and that kind of like adventure shtick. But, yeah, it's very, um, I mean, very much Goonies, I think. Well, you'll see, with, you know, that I think it's, yeah, it's very much like rotting off that Goonies sure. wave as well. Yeah. Um, this movie is pushing it with the time, with the time length. I, I know, yes. I, I was impressed. John, so John has a, a thing with movies over 90 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what, are, I mean, what is this one? This is a little <laughs> over that, right? I mean, this is like 115 or like 115 it's, minutes. So that's yeah. like just a... a just, just under two. Yeah. 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 Okay. It goes by fast though. And it does. It flies by. You love this movie. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. But I'm excited to see all my friends again. <laughs> yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay. You love did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I really did. You know, I can say as a as a 31 year old man watching a kids movie for the first like a, a, a classic kids movie that I probably should have seen when I was like nine totally held up nine-year-old me would have loved it too I'm so happy to hear that yeah, it was Amazing. Great. it's such a fun movie yeah it really is um so what are your your initial thoughts like Okay, so I was thinking about this. I expected, and you know, going back to what we were talking about before, I was expecting more along the lines of like, I was expecting more Princess Bride, E.T., less um, Indiana Jones, like real adventure. Right. I think it was less totally based in reality. Yeah. 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 yeah right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I was expecting more like mythological shit. Um, like it's kind of gritty. Yeah. It's yeah. dark, man. There are some dark moments. Like the one of the first shots of the movie when there's that like fake hanging in the prison. You're like, yeah. oh, like my roommate was like, oh shit. I was like, 
no, no, yeah. don't worry. <laughs> I know, I know. Like the first, it really like you, you go for a left turn pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. from the hanging and then that really like capery car chase kind of thing. I was like, okay, this is where this is going. The big left turn into um, the underground, I guess, as it were. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> shots of the movie, which I think like sums up the movie so well, is that car chase scene when um chunk is at the diner or whatever and it's like oh my god it's a car chase scene and like you just yeah. see him like i don't know it's like a, a up against the... or something and that like explodes yeah yeah it's so pure <laughs> it's such a great introduction of all the characters like yeah just you know like each of them you know doing their little thing um data's like testing out his most recent invention and everything like it's it's such a try and it totally sets up the small town oregon feel it's yeah. such yeah. a beautiful town like such a beautiful location each of their own like reactions to the car chase of like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever like wow you should be worried yeah it is again in the water coming out it is again like very spielbergian though too in that aspect also like when they first enter the cave and there's like the water slide like i feel like that's just an extension of indiana jones movie Oh yeah, like why are we why are we all going down this giant water slide into into nowhere? Yeah, so even for not like it's a story by Steven Spielberg, and he's the first yeah. person referenced in the credits before even the yeah. title. Like it's a Steven Spielberg film, and it's like right. yeah, it is like it totally yeah, yeah yeah. So did it like it it lived up to the hype? I guess I think so. Yeah, and I think that there were definitely you know a couple of neat. The, you know, the theme of gentrification of small town is not really something that comes up very much in like big budget no, it's, kids movies. It's so true. You know? I made a joke before about like finding some sort of meaning in it or some sort of like comment on on society, but it actually it did have you know yeah it was quite interesting and uh, like and when they're go- when they're below and the country club and everything and like the the preppy boy reading guns yeah. and ammo. And like the all red tracks <laughs> gets the, the enema from the water pressure. Totally, totally. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was definitely like, oh, they're saying something about like class here that I didn't, yeah. I obviously didn't pick up on as a kid. Oh, that sure. and the, uh, you know, you can use the back door next time. Or the, yep. You know. I think that it's like an excellent movie for a lot of reasons. One of them being that it's such a good kid acting movie. And like, it's so hard to find those movies. Like another movie I would put in that rank is Stand By Me, which mm-hmm. again has Corey Feldman. This is like definitely like- so good in it. He's so good. And this is the height of his good fame because yeah, obviously yeah. He, he drops off really quickly, but Well, before... this was also kind of like the beginning, right? Like he yeah. had like, I guess a small, a few, like I was like his IMDb, but I, I think this was like, maybe he did like a Gremlins one, but I think this was probably his most recognizable. So yeah, he did, yeah, right? he, he did Gremlins in 84. This in '85, Stand by Me was '86, and Lost Boys was '87. And so yeah, we're like right in the realm. Yeah. yeah, and then it just goes so, so faithfully downhill. And career went off the rails, <laughs> and that was it. Um, but he's so good in this movie. Like he's just yeah. like he's so he's like that annoying loudmouth friend who like hits on the mom, even mm-hmm. though he has like no chance in hell. But like he sells it so well, and like I feel like he's, he has so much charisma. Character. Yeah. All the kid characters, per- perhaps with the exception of um, Chunk, are so like rooted in reality and really like, you know, that's the ten-year-old gang of kids. But like the yeah. like even where they like treat the- Chunk doesn't age well. No, like the what is it called? Um, 
The truffle shuffle. The truffle shuffle. Right. Yeah. That doesn't, I feel bad for him when he does that, but. Yeah. They treat him pretty poorly. <laughs> Several times, like in the, uh, they leave him in the closet. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. They leave him in the closet and they don't even realize. And then they send him alone to go get the police. And they're just kind of like, poor right. chunk, man. But he has the most, I would say, meaningful relationship with Sloth. Yeah. Right. So is that oh, like yeah. the redeemable portion of it? It's like two misfits who find a connection with each other. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I no, def- yeah absolutely. Definitely. But I, but I mean, neither of those age particularly well. No. I would think yeah. what, what does age well is like just the names of like their foursome, which is Chunk, Mouth, Mikey, and Data or Data. Yeah. Um, this is uh, up for debate in which either aged really well or really poorly is Josh Brolin's outfit. How do we feel? Fantastic. The short sweatpants. Yeah. Like, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's just super 80s. Like, that's what we were talking about before. Like, the aesthetic, like, to me, it's when I would think of the 80s, I think of, like, Cindy Lauper and Josh Brolin working out with the, like, bands with the spring-loaded. <laughs> spring things, yeah. Yeah, like, Yeah. One thing I, I thought about, because Chris, Chris Columbus, who, who wrote the film, went on to uh, direct Home Alone, which is obviously a great movie, but also set up so much like booby trap art. Yeah. And booby even trap. that, yeah, and like even that first scene when they're trying to let Chunk in and they have like the bowling ball that goes to the chicken that the goes to Rube the- The Goldberg machine kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally, and I wonder it if relies that was, like, on a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> As laying Polly an egg out, relies <laughs> moment, on a chicken yeah. laying an egg every time <laughs> to let someone in how do we feel about the fratellis the bad the bad guys what are our thoughts pretty you know quite forgettable bad guys i don't you know the movie is not about the bad guys i think the movie is about running from the bad guys and like this like forward motion as opposed to that they're actually threatening villains like there's not really much of a villain in the story it's it's more like you know, the chase mm-hmm. yeah the villain is like the potential of them losing their the, the bigger existential threat yeah. i guess of them yeah losing their having to all move away from each other i it was interesting like the cycle of, i you know obviously like you know pick up on it's okay but like the cycle of abuse like how poorly their mom treats them and they treat sloth and it's just like i'm sure yeah. it wasn't trying to go that deep but you're kind of like man the way these poor kids are treated by their horrible mother it explains somewhat their behavior. So what are our thoughts on Sloth? Like the Boo Radley of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a kid, so scared of Sloth. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I mean, he's such an iconic character, obviously, now um, with the Superman shirt. The Superman shirt and the Hey You Guys. I was watching it with Rachel. I was like, this is where this comes from? Hey You Guys. <laughs> this is so the, the movie? Oh, my God. Okay. There, I pointed out, I put down on my notes like three very iconic lines from this movie. The number one being Hey You Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the other being It's Our Time, Our Time Down Here, which I use all the time. <laughs> is that an iconic their time line? Up, their time up there. Our time, our time down, down here. here. Yeah, down here, here. Right. it's our time. It's, it's like, our oh time. Why aren't you talking about? <laughs> it's a mouthful. And uh, Goonies never say die, which is yeah. I wrote so that good. one down too. Yeah. Excellent. So, Dave, do you have any notes that you want to share with the class? I, I liked a handful of the running gags, like the Hawaiian shirt that his uh, Chunk's parents are all wearing the same Hawaiian shirts, and the subtitle. This, I found the subtitle gag pretty bizarre at the beginning. 
Um, yeah, and at the end, right? Yeah, at like yeah. really, you know, at the beginning in a big way, and at the end, like really, really briefly. We were like, oh, we gotta bring this back, tie it back together. I don't know if something was left on the cutting room floor, but I found yeah, that strange. I don't know if maybe that was, uh, maybe it was just of the moment to be doing sort of like fourth wall jokes like that. That's a good point. I think it was just the 80s. They were more open. They were, it was less, um, con, you know, people were less concerned about um, making fun of cultural differences. And they were, I mean, like, I, there's, I think there's an argument to be made that the character of da- uh, Data or Data doesn't age that well either, you know. No, like that was another. a lot of different stereotypes. Um, you the know, technology, yeah. like the, the always good at technology. And um, yeah, yeah. They put the dad at the end. Um, you know, my best invention is you, kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's rough. A couple, that's... Of real, a couple of real corn balls at the end. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently in the great ending. locations, though. Wow, the beach oh, at the end. So beautiful. Gorgeous. All it's, the shots at the beginning. It it's really, so beautiful. And, and like. It's Beautiful. so it's just so West Coast, like you said earlier. Like yeah. rainy and like mm-hmm. they're in the forest. Like I love that scene when Josh Brolin has to go find Mikey, aka Sean Aston, and steals the girl's bike. Yeah. Is that Data, his sister? I that's what she's I she's next thought, door. She's next door. That's what I thought too. And, and she like she, has a like, breakdown. And he came like, over I want my him. bike. I want my yeah. bike. Maybe the worst but, performance, the child acting performance of the whole thing is that little girl stomping her feet after she gets her yeah yeah (laughs) dramatically stomping it yeah (laughs) yeah but it is just like it it reminds me like when he's like going down that road on the bike i'm like this could easily be like you know the ubc highway or Mm -hmm. like imperial road or something like it's just so familiar and i think that david be interested to know your thoughts on this because like i don't i don't think i ever saw this movie as being like nostalgic or reminiscent of the West Coast. Yeah. Um, until this viewing, because I think this is probably the first time I've seen it not being in Vancouver and being like, God damn it, I want to be back there. <laughs> oh, I absolutely felt that. Absolutely. Um, and, I, you know, that's not unique to this film, but I think it really, it speaks to how evocative a lot of particularly the shots at the, not the beach as much, but the shots at the beginning, like the mist in the trees and the, mm. and the roads, you know, the, the you know the when he when uh when josh brolin's character he's ride al- riding alongside the car and he shoots off into the forest and like curving around those trails uh, i found that very nostalgic um mm-hmm. i thought th- as well um i love the music i thought the score the score was great um you know full orchestral so score good. i didn't know i i didn't recognize the composer's name i don't think um no, I was looking uh, into it during the thing. Like, I don't think he, I think, I mean, I might be totally wrong, but if I don't think he did a lot of like full film scores, I think maybe he did a few, like some of his compositions were used in other films, but Dave uh, Grusin, Dave I think. Grusin. Is oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, he's, a, but, um, he's a jazz big band writer as well. I oh, wow. I know the there name. Yeah, no, you're right. The soundtrack oh. is such a such a important part of the film. So the, good, like that. The Cindy Lauper song is it's oh, fantastic. Funny. Like it's just so yeah. good. I, I <laughs> love that it's, it's not once but twice. That is like the only diegetic music in the whole film. They're like yeah. doing the routine to it, and then they're listening to the car. But it was all the orchestral soundtrack except for that. 
twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I encourage you to, before they had the Cindy Lauper song, there was a song um, called by the Goon Squad called Eight Arms to Hold You because there was, I was talking about the animatronic scene and mm. it was a scene, you can see it online. It was a deleted scene with an octopus. It looks so bad. Like it would have definitely like made the movie even kind of schlockier than it was. Yeah. Um, but there was like a scene or a song that I guess was dedicated to it by the good. It's called Eight Arms to Hold You. And it is, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like impact your, but you guys check it out. It's like crazy how much better the Cindy Lauper song is. And I can't imagine how much different I would feel about the movie um, if I didn't have, because like I said, that Cindy Lauper song is such a, it's like not only such a foundational part of the film, but just like of, of the eighties for me. Like I just kind of think of, the 80s and i either hear that so you know uh, i gotta say though eight arms to hold you is an amazing <laughs> amazing song title yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um it's the I don't, best part of the song i don't i don't know if you clocked <laughs> it but so yes sir the 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 film itself like the script itself um was well over 120 pages and it kept going through different rewrites they shot way more than what we see in the film and I'm surprised of, by that. Yeah. yeah, and one of one of the moments that that was cut or left on the cutting room floor was an octopus fight or something like that. And in the last scene, when they're getting interviewed by the news, Data says the scariest part was the octopus, and right. oh, there yeah. is no octopus not in there. Yeah, in the yeah. movie at all. But they were like, we can't. Yeah. Like how do we cut around that? So you can't, I encourage yeah. you to check it out online. It's a it's a weird looking octopus. It's yeah. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I think they made the right call. <laughs> one uh, <laughs> one fun fact about the the boat, um, which was created for the movie, um, and was like a real life size life size pirate ship. Uh, the scene in which the kids first see it, mm-hmm. um, Donner filmed that scene like with the reactions for seeing it for the first time. So the kids, what you see, the oh, they kids were brought into. That is the reaction, the initial reaction. Yeah, it was technically the second take because the first take, they were so in awe and just started swearing like sailors for lack of a better term. They like, all lost a lot of swearing. They were like, holy <laughs> shit, this is so fucking cool. And then they got a second take, but like the kids had not seen the ship until their characters had seen it. Which That's pretty really cool. cool. Yeah. Really That's good. Cool directing there, there is like a very natural like um the dialogue you know how they cut they kind of speak over each other several times mm-hmm. um like and i think that i was reading something about how donner with the um scene when mikey's like recounting the tale of one-eyed willie in the attic when the, for the first time where it was like he had to, i don't think it was in the script he just kind of like told him the story of one-eyed willie for the right. first time right before the take and then had him like retell the camera retail like for the scene so it was you know his kind of like you know best and i it had it gave a very natural kind of like a kid retelling it like he'd been told that you know um, right kind of remembering from being told he's getting the details as he heard them as opposed to like memorizing it from yeah it's the and he remembers the details that a kid would remember right yeah you're not you know it's not like a speech written by an adult it's like it's like if a kid was told the story what details would he remember kind of thing you know about right and all that kind of thing I thought that too, that it was quite like, a, it was a real like oral history, you know, as opposed, if you got, that came through well, as opposed to, um, this is the story of One-Eyed Willie and this is what's in right. the books and whatnot. Yeah, you definitely see it through the lens of a kid. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. and that's easy for you to propel yourself into the story of being like, I'm nine years old again and I'm here. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And you're running at a hundred percent the whole time. You're just going. After reading that review on the Wikipedia page that I said to you about, like um, the guy from White Dwarf not being able to enjoy the movie because it was just kids screaming over each other. I was like, yeah, but like, yeah, isn't that, that just like exactly what we were all like? Like when we yeah, were that that's age. The, again, that's the charm of it. I think that's a him problem. If he mm-hmm. didn't like it for whatever reason, it's like, that's the Goonies, you know? that it's the same kind of thing as like stranger things like um dave was saying before like it's that uh it's that yes that zany you know wacky group of kids with the loud mouth and the smart one and the you know the yeah the the heart you know hopeless romantic or whatever do you guys have any thoughts on um mikey and brand aka josh brolin's character their relationship as brothers because there's that one beautiful scene at the be- almost the beginning of the movie when the two, I would say for lack of a better word, suits, I'm sure they're lawyers, come to hand the papers. And Josh Brolin's super tough about it and then goes back inside and, and, and Sean Astin stays outside. And then he comes around the other side of the house and gives him like a really deep hug. Yeah, it's a very sweet moment. It's a very sweet moment. Do you feel like that's an authentic relationship? And like, how, how would you have navigated that as Josh Brolin's character? Thinking about that, yeah, that's a great point. And thinking about that scene, that scene is quite, was really natural, I thought. Um, and the rest of the film, there were a couple, I, I, I'd have to look back on what other, whatever other moments before really getting into the meat of the chase through the underground. There was another scene where I had a I had a thought about like this is quite like a tender brotherly moment. But after that, once it kind of kicked into high gear, there wasn't too much of that. I thought mm-hmm. um, kind of gets it was lost. More focused on like the gang, and we're all doing circles around each other. Yeah, I agree. There's so much again, like like you said, the meat of the chase underground. Like not to go back to the length of the movie, but there's so much time spent with them underground, going from like chamber to chamber, and I think it's like. I think that time, if not um, cutting stuff out, like I think that, yeah, more time could have been spent on the relationship of, because it was such a nice thing. And that is, like you said, Brie, like that's something that I remember as a kid, like the scene between um, them on the porch, you know, when he's having an asthma attack, like it is so sweet. Um, and there are a few of those moments throughout the film, but you're, you're also right in that they kind of get lost. <laughs> they get lost throughout just this, this you know, it, hour and whatever chase um underground with the fratellis and the and the goonies so do you think that 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 the i don't know that oh walsh i think is their last name walsh like mikey and and brand walsh do you think that they keep the house i hope so i don't think yeah they they, i think that it's it's it depends how much those uh those jewels got them got them in those costume jewelry Mm-hmm. yeah no i think they could i think that's the whole like thing is they don't you know they don't have to move now and none of them have to move they can all stay and um you know that's the i think i mean yeah i honestly hadn't considered what does the mo- like there's it's be an interesting thing like what does the money do to all to the goonies does it split them up is there a whole like simple plan um thing of them <laughs> yeah. all going crazy and you know greedy i also was wondering like what happens to sloth after this i was you know? thinking like, that too oh, that's my next question yeah the other like, ones does, are going to does, jail but is sloth yeah. truly going to go live with chunk 
If his kids just get put into the system or something, like yeah, like yeah. I just can't imagine him like being able to exist with Chung because he's like gonna, he's still like a twelve year old kid where he's got to grow up. His parents are just gonna like take care of this man. This Maybe they will. <laughs> I I hope they would, but it, yeah, I was like I was worried for the story of Sloth um, once the cameras wrapped. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't know what would happen to him like maybe in like a best case scenario mr walsh i'll say mikey and brand's dad who's like the historian at the museum of astoria would like hire him as a tour guide (laughs) that's a very sweet idea That's based what on, I would want to happen. His, based on his notoriety, his ties to a ties to the crime family. Yeah, he's been through a lot. He knows <laughs> he knows the underbelly of Astoria, Oregon. Like I think it would be a really captivating. Maybe not I would, take, guy, but... I would take that tour. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So would I, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hear from the pessimists. <laughs> no, I I let's go with that. I think that's a nice idea. <laughs> what about Andy and Brand? Do you think that they last? Sorry, whose oh. brand is? Oh, the brand right, is Josh Tr- Roland. I honestly didn't know that. And, and Andy is is his love interest. Too mm. many, too many sibling issues there. Too weird. Yeah. Way too weird. So the they don't last. Shots, though the silhouette shots, gorgeous. The cave underground of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't I mean, seem phased at all that she made out with the wrong person. She no. was just like. She was like, wait, you don't have, what happened to your braces? And then he's like, Mikey. And then she's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, it's maybe not her first time accidentally kissing a brother. Exactly. A brother. Um, well, at the end, too, anybody who's, you know, making out so hot and heavy in front of everybody's parents and the law enforcement gang, whatnot, I was like, this is not lasting. This does not have lasting. No, power. no. Yeah, no, that's last, baby. She's going to, like, Brandeis and he's going to UCLA. It's going to be over in, like, a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, He's going to move to Texas and become his character from uh, No Country for Old Men. Yes, of oh course. Gosh, He's yeah. going to become Lou Llewellyn. Llewellyn? Yeah, Llewellyn. Yeah, something. Llewellyn Moss. Yeah. Is it Moss? That sounds right. Another episode anyway. in the making. <laughs> yeah. someone, someone hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> it, reads, it reads like a. I mean, I feel like I just watched a cult film that I've never seen that I've never seen before, and I understand the, the gags and I understand the references, and I understand. And this is something that we were talking about earlier: um, the rewatchability, the replay value, high replay value. Yeah, I can tell. I, I can tell already. This it's a good. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you liked movie. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I I like. There, there's been a lot of hype. Uh, I would say fluctuating hype of like a remake or a sequel, and you know, certain cast members have have said it's going to happen and not, etc. Uh, it really the, shouldn't. It it shouldn't. The the Goonies franchise did do well in the video game market. They did a mm, Goonies oh, wow. um, video game, I think, a year after its release, and then did a Goonies two. And I could see that being like a sick fucking video game. Is there a pinball game? I bet there's a pinball game. I there, gotta find. There totally. must be. I'm sure. Yeah, there I is. could totally see there being a pinball game. So, um, again, I, I watched it with Rachel, and she mentioned that uh, so she went she had a big family reunion in oregon last year and she said her cousin and her cousin's partner split off from the reunion for a day to take a goonies tour go to the house like went to the beach like did the whole that, thing like, I've, right. I've i've also done it it's a story is fucking beautiful and, and i feel like it's it's uh represented really well in the film but like 
Anytime you're in Portland. Oh, and that is it. Astoria is the, that's the real, the town yeah. is the town. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I never heard, I nice. just wasn't, wasn't aware. One-Eyed Willie was a real dude. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's someone in, in the States is this know, the, that goes by One-Eyed Willie. That's is this the beginning play. of Goonies 2? <laughs> maybe. Here we go. Um, here we go. <laughs> there's films that you show people or TV shows that are so important to you and then you rewatch them with people and uh, they just don't hold up for whatever reason. Yeah, you know? you've re- and there's a lot, I think there's a lot in this that could make it not hold up well. Yeah. Right, right. Between Sloth and between Data and between mm-hmm. like all of the cheesy, cheesy lines, like the big, yeah. a lot of clunkers. Um, jokes. You know, that there's a 45 minute chase scene right in the middle that could be like cut <laughs> to get down to 15. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot, there's like a lot working against, but it really like transcends that. It's certainly not perfect, but it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. As the best movies are. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, guys. Dude, thank you yeah, so thank much you. For, for joining us. I love you both so much. Thank you so much.